this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. This episode is sponsored by Where Am I Now by Mara Wilson. Mara Wilson is a former child actor best known for her starring roles in Matilda and Mrs. Doubtfire. She's always felt a little young and out of place. As the only kid on a film set full of adults, as the first daughter in a house full of boys, and a grown-up the world still remembers as a little girl. Tackling everything from what she learned about sex on the set of Melrose Place to discovering in adolescence that she was no longer cute enough for Hollywood, these essays chart her journey from accidental fame to relative but happy obscurity. In addition to her early career working alongside Robin Williams and Danny DeVito and many other great actors, Mara Wilson has more recently begun an online career. She writes for Cracked.com and she's appeared on the podcast Welcome to Night Vale. She will also be joining us at Book Riot Live this fall. Check out Where Am I Now by Mara Wilson wherever books are sold or look for a link to it in the show notes for this episode. In today's special episode, Jeff and I are talking with Ashley Ford. She is the host of Audible's new original channel, Authorized, which interviews writers about their work. In addition to that, Ashley is a writer and an editor herself, and she is also the, a development executive of web series and documentaries for Matter Studios. Uh, we've both been big fans of her work for a long time, and we talked about Audible's new launch of channels on a previous episode. So we're ringing a couple bells at once here, getting to talk to her about this project and some other things going on uh, in her world of books and reading and media made around them. So uh, thanks, Ashley, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Not your first time at the Book Riot Rodeo. It is not. Last time, though, it was just Jeff. Yes. Which was amazing. But I'm <laughs> so excited that Jeff decided to uh Well, I was looking for up. an excuse to have you back. I was like, what can we? And finally, I was like, oh, Audible Channels. We can tell Ashley's doing one of those. So we have an in and someone that uh, listeners like to, to listen to. All right. So we're going we're gonna to grill you about how the Audible Channels <laughs> things works. But can you give um, our listeners the elevator pitch about what Authorized is? Like, how do you describe it in a, in a few sentences? In a few sentences, Authorized is a an audible program where I interview some of the most amazing authors, ask them about their books, their lives, and especially their firsts. <laughs> How did the first thing come about? Because I've been listening to the show uh, and you say right up front that in this season you're talking to them about firsts. And it, it's been so interesting to me, the different kinds of firsts that you hit. There are the like first stories. And I think it was um, Tyree Jones episode where she mm-hmm. read some of the very first story that she wrote when she was like 15, yeah. uh, which is so brave. Um, how did you hit on that? And have there been any really surprising directions that it's taken for you? You know, um, we hit on that because one of the things that we realized about um, that the 
thing that people felt was really mysterious about books was how do you even start? You Mm. know, (laughs) like they wanted to know about beginnings. And I think people in general are fascinated by beginnings because we really do think that if we can figure out someone else's beginnings, that we might be able to replicate them. Or at least it might give us some insight into what drives them and their origin. And we also we always want to know about origins. You know what I mean? Like it's a Mm -hmm. very human thing to want to know about origins. So um, it it just became like an interesting question that you can ask anybody, right? Because anybody (laughs) has a beginning. Everybody has beginnings and everybody has first. And we tend to put so much um, thought and pressure (laughs) on (laughs) first that we tend to like over time still have really great memories of our first and of our beginnings. Um, It's something that we're asked a lot, but it's not necessarily, you know, something that people get asked a lot, especially when it comes to like books, where it doesn't have to always do with books. Like I do ask people a lot of first with books, but I also ask them about first loves. I ask them about, you know, um, like first time they felt a certain way, like in general. And it just, it's a way to get interesting responses from people because nobody's beginnings are really the same. Oh, I couldn't ask for a better segue because you're talking about beginning. So on our show, we talk about like super nerdy book world, publishing world stuff. And so we like to know how the sausage gets made. Um, So how how did you end up, how did it come to pass that this show was on Audible, has this form, bi-weekly, this long, Mm -hmm. like... How did it come to be? What was what was the the origin of the the origin stories that you're telling? You know, I don't really super know the origin of Audible channels okay. as it stands. Sure, um, I know that it's an idea that they just sort of ran with and that it's something that they wanted to make wholly their own um, with Audible. So while they have learned a lot of things from podcasts, they're also really interested in trying things that maybe um, the traditional podcast world hasn't gotten into yet. Um, So much of this, you know, like my podcast and like Presidents Are People Too, you know, like that one as well. It's like these are ones that they're just sort of throwing at the wall and seeing what happens like they're highly experimental as far as you know who gets to choose what and what questions we ask and things you know what I mean like we're not following a formula really at this point we're figuring it out as we go um and my show in particular authorized the my original producer Sophie Tall reached out to me Mm. and told me that they kind of had this idea and that she'd heard me on a few other podcasts she may have name checked Book Riot oh Um, oh, ego inflation I knew we were going to get something out of this show (laughs) Ashley's got your number Jeff yeah she does she's got me (laughs) but she I mean she reached out to me and I mean the minute she emailed me and asked me if I would have any interest. I was like, how soon can we (laughs) One of my favorite things to do in the world is talk to people about, you know, their story and to get a better sense of not just who they are, but why they do the things they do. And writing is this thing, especially writing a book, which is such a time commitment. I mean, who doesn't want to know why someone took the time to do that, you know, and what drove them to that? I think it's always an interesting question. And um, I'm always getting interesting answers to that question. 
One of the things that we talk about on our show and that we sort of wrestle with at Book Riot a lot is how is the line between reader facing and writer facing content. Mm. And sometimes, you know, writers talking about writing can become this very insular thing. I don't feel that at all on authorized. And I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about how you think about, you know, making a show with and about writers that is not just for writers, but that faces readers. And I think more broadly faces and appeals to people who are interested in the world of making things. Right. I, am such a reader. Like, I think I consider myself a reader before I consider myself a writer, actually. So I feel like I try to have my questions come from that place um, of being a reader more than being a writer. Um, I also, you know, I, I talked to someone, I can't even remember who it was, um, <laughs> but a few years ago, someone told me when I said I, w- I one day wanted to be a really great interviewer, and I found that that was something that I really enjoyed was interviewing people, and I wanted to do it right. One of the things someone told me was the way you have to make your brain work is you have to know all this information about this person, right? Like you've got to read all their other interviews. You've got to read bios. You've got to read their work. And then when you get on the stage, part of you has to completely forget that you know all those things (laughs) and the questions you ask, you want those questions to sort of feel like people in the audience have little sheets of paper that they're writing questions on as you talk and they're slipping you those sheets of paper Mm. and that those are your next questions. So when I started to think about it like that and I started to think about those sheets of paper, I realized, you know, most readers don't care if you wrote your book on Scrivener. Like, they really, (laughs) they don't care. I As a writer, I'm like, you know, more points for Scrivener. I should be using Scrivener, you know? Um, But as an audience member, for most audience members, um, they want to connect with you. And they are not going to connect with you over Scrivener. They're going to connect with you about origins and about feelings and experiences your own fears and doubts and, you know, achievements and what excites you. Like they want to run the gamut with you in as little, you know, in this little bit of time that we have, they want to feel like they walked away, you know, with a better sense of who you are. And it's my job to help them get that because they're not on stage with you or in the studio with you. Um, I want to go back for a minute to talk about the, the, the way the podcast is set up right now uh, something Rebecca brought it up so it's, it's about first now is it going to be is there sort of a, a seasonal aspect to it where like you can do x number of episodes about first and then switch it to something else have you even gotten that far because what you're it looks like uh, I didn't do a count eight or ten episodes in um, mm-hmm. what's the sort of intermediate future of the show look like to you well I can tell you that um, I have you know, some big interviews oh, okay. coming okay. up. Breaking news here. Okay. <laughs> I've got some big interviews coming up with some um, amazing, amazing, very smart, um, popular artists. And I can't wait for those to come up, but I can't say. Okay, that's fine. That's, <laughs> can you say if they're going to be on the first theme or going to be a different theme? They're going to be on the first okay, theme. Gotcha. Um, As far as, you know, what we would do in another season, if there was another season, Mm -hmm. um, is like that would really be a conversation that we had at the end of this season um, about how we feel 
moving forward, um, how this season did, how people responded to the concept of first. You know, one of the cool things about being part of something new and, you know, I, I love being a guinea pig. It is my favorite <laughs> thing in the entire world because you get to be part of the decision making process. Usually when you're a guinea pig, you know, you don't step in and people go, well, last time we did it this way. And so mm. this time we're going to do it this way. It's like you get to be part of figuring out what's right for you and the project moving forward. Mm. So those conversations are going to be happening soon and we'll be figuring out, you know, like is authorize a one season thing? Is it a multiple season thing? And if it's a multiple season thing, um, what do themes look like? Are we sticking with first? Are we going to try something different? You know, whatever it is, you know, I want it to be as, you know, um, I want it to be as common, you know, <laughs> as first. Like I want it to be that easy to get into and that easy to sort of play with for each author. We've talked about on the main show um, whether or not podcasts and audiobooks are, are they competitors? Are they, I don't know, cousins? Are they, you know, can they go side by side? And actually on the, on the Book Riot Contributor Back Channel, there's actually one of the longer discussions we've had and the answer we seem, to, we seem to sort of get is yes and no. They are both competitors and, you know, they can sit next to each other as neighbors. Um, I don't remember from the reading. We're going to do a little sort of like mini Reading Lives episode. Are you an audio, audiobook person? I know you're a podcast listener. Are you an audiobook listener too? I am. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it depends on the book. Sure. Some are, you know, so much better um, to like listen to. And I love that. I mean, I... I'm a really, really late comer to the Harry Potter series mm, okay. as books. <laughs> and I just, and I mean just, downloaded them all on Audible mm -hmm. where Stephen Fry uh, yeah. reads so I was going to ask if it was a Jim Dale or Stephen Fry. The Stephen Fry. Stephen okay. Fry. And I'm, I mean, I'm riveted. I'm <laughs> riveted. And Kelly has to be like, can you, you know, it's bedtime and I can hear through your headphones. <laughs> well, luckily it's only about 5,000 hours long, the complete Harry Potter. Right. I mean, It'll be over soon. <laughs> right. But I can't stop listening. It's so good. It's so good. And I just, you know, I, 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 I love it. But I also feel like podcasts are completely different for me. Um, in my mind, they are definitely more cousins than competitors. Um, because there's something I get from podcasts that I, I don't get from audiobooks, and there's something I get from audiobooks I definitely don't get from podcasts. I'm kind of the opposite. I've been an audiobook listener for a while, but I'm a like whatever a Fairweather fan version of podcasts is. I can sort of <laughs> come and go on them, or I have these like fiery love affairs with them that don't last very long. Um, what are you listening to and loving lately that you would recommend for the types of listeners that are here at the Book Riot Show? Well, you know it. If you, I, I sort of can separate it into um, book genres Great. a little bit okay. because I, and specifically into um, fiction and nonfiction, because if you're into fiction, um, I think the podcast that you really want to listen to would be podcasts like Limetown and the Black Tapes podcast and Tannis podcast. Um, they're a little supernatural. Um, there's little elements of like horror in a couple of them, but they're so good. Like they're, they, to me, those 
podcasts are like the Stephen King, you know, oh, of okay. podcasts. I'm not kidding. Like they're really amazing and like the best of Stephen King. Mm. I really love them. And then when you move over into the nonfiction side, there's Death, Sex, and Money with Anna Sale, uh, Reply All with Alex Goldman and PJ Vogt, Startup with Alex Bloomberg, um, what else? Oh, for colored nerds, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. uh, with Brittany Luce and Eric, like it's just this, like, those are some of my faves. I also am a huge, huge, huge fan of another round, uh, which is a Buzzfeed mm-hmm. podcast. And, um, I'm trying to think there is something I've been listening to lately that I really love. Oh, um, if anybody loves John Green, mm-hmm. uh, the writer, he and his brother Hank have a really, really funny podcast called uh, Dear Hank and John. And is, is that Patreon supported? Is that right? How does that work? Completely Patreon Yeah, support. that's super interesting. I mean, no the app. innovation around podcasts is really, I mean, the monetization stuff, but also form and where you can do it. Like, it's really pretty cheap to record and host. I mean, in, you know, six years ago, it, it cost tens... Uh, so much money just to distribute the files that now it's it's nominally cheap uh, to do it there. Yeah. Um, it's a lot cheaper. And they, yeah. I mean, and also, well, you know, John and Hank have also have like the Nerdfighteria community, which yeah. is huge and amazing and has been so supportive to them over the years. You know, not everyone has access to that, but um, there are other ones that have been long going and um, only and have been have found interesting ways to monetize like the No Sleep podcast, which I also listen to every week, which is all horror stories mm-hmm. <laughs> for, many, for many, many years. You know, like they were doing that podcast and it was all um, listener supported. Mm-hmm. They only recently started doing ads. What's really interesting that they've done with ads, though, is that they've turned their ads into many scary stories. Mm. <laughs> That's genius. That's awesome. Right. So it's actually like this funny, but also kind of like scary little story. That's an ad and it works. And I don't think they've had any complaints or any problems with that. And now they're bringing in ad revenue. Uh, Speaking of innovation, it sounds like, tell us a little bit about, let's let's switch Ashley hats for a minute to what you're doing. What is matter and what are you doing for them? What are you looking for? What's, what's going on over there? Well, at Matt, okay, well, let me start here. Matter Studios is a company that is sort of like idea and artist first. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, We are in the very fortunate position to be able to reach out to artists and sort of create like these um, bespoke agreements with them. Hmm. Uh, So if they want to do a podcast, if they want to do a web series, if they're doing a documentary, if they want to do a small book, if they want to do an ebook, if they want to do an event series, a newsletter, like there are all of these different things that we are open to working with artists on. And it's not necessarily something that um, you just like hand over to us or that like we like buy your idea. It's mm-hmm. like we work with you mm-hmm. um, and we help develop the idea with you. And any decisions that are made after the thing is made and we maybe start talking about distribution or monetization or any of those things, those are decisions that are made together and that language is in the agreement, Hmm. right? So usually people, especially um, freelance artists, work with companies and what you are essentially doing is like the company gives you money to make the thing, you go off and make it, you bring it back. 
they help you sell it or something like that. But really, they own it. And at that point, they can completely cut you out of the process. Like it's not, you know, a conversation. And we just thought that like that's not conducive to attracting the best artists, to getting the best work from artists, or to maintaining positive relationships with artists. So we're trying something different and we want to see how it goes. It's it's strange because, you know, there's kind of no model for it. Mm -hmm. There's no model for, you know, having a small team that pays, you know, its few employees really well Mm -hmm. (laughs) and pays, you know, like works with these artists and, you know, compensates them fairly and make sure that they get to be part of the entire process, even though they're working with a corporation, even though they're working with a company. So yeah, it's, um, it's really amazing. Um, I focus specifically on web series and documentaries. So, you know, I'm working on projects with, you know, writers uh, who are working on a web series right now, and I helped build their writer's room. I, you know, help them break the script. I make sure that they're being compensated for their time while they're working on this thing, Um, like, and compensated well, you know? And at the end, when this, like, thing is over, whether, like, we take, like, the script and then, like, figure out what we're going to do with the script, or unless we take it all the way and produce a pilot for them, which is also a possibility, um, at the end of it, they are partnered with us. Mm. We are not just merely the owners of the content. It's like we are essentially sort of like co-owners of the content. And while we, you know, might, you know, like be the people who sit in the room, you know, with Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or HBO and like have the conversations, there's no making decisions Mm. without the artists and there's no leaving them out of that process. And as someone who was a freelancer and who has worked for larger companies where that was the case, um, this was the first time I was like really able to find a job that to me felt like I got to remain true to my senses as an artist Mm. and also, you know, be involved in business in a way that I've always wanted to, which is a way that gets things done and is productive and does make money, but also is fair. Like, I think you can be fair and still Mm -hmm. make so, it's so interesting. Like my brain wants to do analogies. Like that's where my brain always goes. And I'm, I'm having trouble, like as you said, thinking of an analog for it because it's like a little bit of like an old school patronage model, but also a little bit more like a new technology startup VC kind of model, but also kind of like a grants body as well. It, 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 it's uncharted territory. I've never heard anything yes. like it. I, it's like yeah. I've never heard anything like it. Super interesting. Absolutely. Um, and it's hard to explain to people. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you did a great hard. job. I mean, I think I understand it yeah. on its own, yeah. but it, it's hard to connect to something else. So if someone wanted to pitch you something, A, mm-hmm. what kinds of things are you and Matt are looking for? And B, how would they do that? Okay. Um, let's start with what I'm looking for. Yeah, great. I am always looking for like what is basically, I feel like this sounds really vague, but I feel like people who are right when they hear it, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. 
I'm looking for the idea that you haven't been able to stop thinking about Mm. and that you've probably at one point or another convinced yourself was too niche or too weird or too not mainstream or whatever or too mainstream for anybody to actually want and pay attention to. And I want you to like sort of be obsessed with it. And I want you to be excited about it. And you can tell me about it by pitching me at Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y, at matter.com. It's super easy. And it's really just an opportunity for me to get an idea of what people are really interested in, what's moving people. You know, one of the things that, you know, we talk about at Matter quite a bit is that we want to work with people who would work on this thing anyway if they could do it for free. But we're not going to make them do it mm-hmm. for free. <laughs> awesome. That's amazing. That's great. Totally amazing. Say it. Rebecca, anything else you want to ask, Ashley? I think that's a perfect note to end on uh, and getting to sort of come full circle on making an interesting thing yourself and contributing yeah. to other artists being able to uh, to make the things that they want to make and to not starve in the process. That's the thing that we're in favor of also. Yes. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for hanging out with us again. Where can the people find you on the internet if they would just like to see what you're up to? They can find me on Twitter at ismashfizzle. They can find me on Instagram and Tumblr as Smash Fizzle. And they can find my website at ashleycford.net. Super easy. Thank you so much, Ashley. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jeff. And Rebecca, you guys are amazing. Thanks for having me. Mm 